I want to preach from the subject, who, what, how, where, why. Who, what, how, where, why. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would speak to us in a clear way, a powerful way. And I pray that this word would be tailor-made to every person in the room. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen and amen. Number one, who? I want to talk about Mary. Um, I, I love this story because Mary was young, she was poor, she was uneducated, she was unqualified. Uh, that gives me hope because <laughs> there are times that I feel young and under-resourced and uneducated and unqualified. I, I love this because there was not a virgin in Nazareth that would have expected to carry the Messiah. Because any Jewish girl in the region knew that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, according to the prophet Micah. So no one, no virgin in Nazareth was expecting to carry the baby. I love this. She was the unexpected. She, she, she was not in line. And they also knew that the baby was going to come from David's line. So she was in the wrong town and she came from the wrong family. <laughs> I love this. I love that she was the unexpected. She was the underdog. She was the undeserving. And I love that because that means that God is still the God of the unexpected, the underdog, and the undeserving. Now, if that don't make you shout, maybe, maybe that's not for you. But I'll tell you, I'm a trailer park kid. I ain't trailer park trash, but I'm a trailer park kid. I'm from Belen, New Mexico, population 1,700 people, more dairy cows than humans. I am the unexpected. I am the uneducated. GED took three times to pass math, okay? I'm the uneducated. I'm the, I'm the, I'm the unexpected. I'm the underdog. I'm from Belen, where we didn't get a Walmart until I was about 15 years old. Come on, somebody. We had an IGA. What do y'all know about IGA? Y'all don't know about IGA. Y'all don't know about IGA. Come on, somebody. I, I'm, just, I'm just a poor kid from Belen. Listen, God is all about using the underdog, the unexpected, the unqualified and yes, even the disqualified. God specializes in using what other people would not use. And I love this in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things of the, that the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. Mary was not the most qualified. She was, the, she was not the most talented. She was not from the right family, but I've learned this about God on the screen. God is not looking for ability. He is looking for availability. You don't have to give God your talent. You don't have to give God your pedigree. You don't have to give God any of that. All you have to give God is your time. God is looking for time. God is looking for availability, not ability. You don't have to be the best looking, the most talented. You don't have to have the most money. You don't, you, it does not matter how you start. The Bible says do not despise the day of small beginnings. And you might feel like your life right now is starting small. It's not going to end that way. God goes on to say, I'm just 
glad that the work has begun. Let me tell you something. I'm just glad God is doing a work in me. And it might be small right now, insignificant right now, but I just rejoice that the work has begun. Anybody grateful that God has not given up on you? Come on, somebody. She didn't have a lot, but she had a yes. And God can do a lot with a yes. Even a yes from a weak vessel, an unqualified vessel, an uneducated vessel, the underdog vessel, the poor vessel, the sinful vessel, the disqualified vessel, the condemned vessel, the thing that the world would say is over, but God can take that and do something beautiful with it. He wants to make you a trophy of his grace and of his mercy in Jesus' name. Luke chapter 1 verse 38 goes on to say this, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. (laughs) Availability. Who, Mary, number two, what? Favor. Favor means merciful kindness of God, grace, goodwill, loving kindness, or the gift of grace. And I love this. He goes, you found favor, and she's troubled. I feel like that every week. I'm like, God wants to bless you. God is good. My last shirt said, I don't know, I, my grandma said, my, ah, the preacher said, the TV guy said, the, no, 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 God is in a good mood. <laughs> Not one amen. Like a few nervous come-ons, like, come on. Ah, you're troubled. You're troubled by favor. You're troubled by grace the same way she was. Mary, you found favor. Ah, here's why here's why we're troubled by favor because it doesn't line up with our life because we're all messed up (laughs) like we've we've screwed up so much so it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't work with it doesn't work with our lifestyle doesn't add up that's what by the way that's what makes it favor I hear preachers, you know, let me give you 10 ways to get more favor. Let me give you seven ways, seven keys to favor. The, the fact that they're saying those things disqual- disqualifies it from being favor. The fact that it's favor is that you can't earn it, you can't deserve it, you can't do anything for it. All you can do is receive it. It's favor. God likes you. Sorry. He's happy. He wants to do something incredible with your life. He wants to give you merciful kindness, grace, goodwill, loving kindness, the gift of grace. And she was troubled by it the same way that we are troubled by it. And listen, the only thing that qualified her for this moment of favor, it was not her works. It was not her righteousness. Listen to me. The only thing that qualified her for this favor was the person that she was in covenant with. Joseph. Because Joseph was from the line of David. And God was looking for a Messiah to come through the line of David. It had, it had nothing to do with Mary. It had everything to do with who she was in covenant with. Friend, we have a heavenly Joseph. His name is Jesus. The only reason that we have favor is because we said yes 
to the covenant that he gave. In the same way that Joseph offered a covenant with Mary, Jesus offers a covenant with us. And the moment she said yes, she became a candidate to carry the miracle. And the moment you say yes to Jesus, you become a candidate to carry the miracle, walk in favor, receive undeserved unmerited favor has nothing to do with us has everything to do with who we said yes to it had nothing to do with her it had to do with the bloodline it had to do with the blood friend the moment you receive Jesus as Lord and you place your faith in that finished work and the blood of Jesus covers you you are now in the favor of God the perpetual eternal favor of God. It's not a day. It's not a moment. It's a lifetime. It never goes away. His anger lasts a moment. Where did that happen? On the cross. But his favor lasts a lifetime. The anger of God was poured out on the sun. He took my place. I should have been the middleman in the cross, but he pushed me out of the way. He died my death. He paid my price. And now favor lasts a lifetime. Y'all troubled. Y'all don't like this preaching. A lot of you can't clap because you're afraid. You're like, if I clap, he's going to strike me with lightning. <laughs> Colossians 1 verse 12, always thanking the Father. Yes, sir. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he rescued us from the kingdom of darkness, transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. He did it. He did it. God did it. God, you didn't do it. God did it. All you did is say yes to it. God did it. All, all you did is say, I received. God did it. God did the moving. God did the transferring. God did the rescuing. Purchased our freedom, forgave our sins. You have found favor. She wasn't favored before this moment. She was favored from this moment. And the moment that you say yes to Jesus you can now walk in the divine favor of God. It's Luke 2.52, favor. Favor with God and favor with men. Daniel chapter 1 verse 9 says, God gave Daniel special favor. Exodus chapter 11 verse 3, now the Lord had caused the Egyptians to look favorably on the people of Israel. That's an amazing verse. Doesn't mean a lot out of context. This is an amazing verse because God just tore up Egypt. Ten plagues. I'm talking frogs, I'm talking blood in the water, I'm talking about the firstborn. I mean, it was like, it was crazy. And the Egyptians would have hated the Israelites after this moment. They would have hated, they would have hated. And as they're about to leave, God goes, oh, go knock on all the slave master's doors. Go, go knock on all the Egyptians' doors and ask them for all their stuff. Hey, we're going to leave now. Can I have all your stuff? And the... Can I, do you have a Rolex? Do you have a Mercedes? Diamond rings, earrings, jewelry. What do you, what do you got? Louboutins, Gucci's. What, what, what can we do here? And they, they go, can we have it? And God gave them favor. And the Egyptians go, I hate you, but uh, okay. Uh, no. <laughs> you ain't got that kind of favor, homie. You ain't got that. You're going to have to ask the Lord for that kind of favor. You're going to have to get it from God, not from me. Listen, <laughs> this is a gift. Okay, so this, this is my favor. <laughs> I ain't giving that away. Okay, listen. <laughs> my, my point, they give, and then that's what paid for them to go on their journey. Favor. Favor. 
Look at this in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 8. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 8. We won't read the whole verse, but I'll just look at the bottom. The Bible says, the king granted me what I asked for, for the good hand of my God was upon me. Now, again, Nehemiah should have died. He went to his king, and he asked for a favor. He totally broke protocol. And instead of the king saying, you have, you have acted up in the king's court. And to make an example of Nehemiah, should have taken his head off. Instead, he found favor with him. And the king gave him what he wanted. Why? Because the good hand of God was upon him. Come on, I'm believing that the good hand of God is upon us. And that we're going to find favor in Jesus' name. Favor is not earned or deserved Favor is received by faith. Luke chapter 1 verse 45 goes on to say, you are blessed because you believed. What is it favor? How? Number three, how? The Holy Spirit. Mary goes, okay, this is cool, but can I get like a little bit of a game plan? Excuse me. How's this going to work? I'm a virgin. How are we going to? He said, the Spirit of God's going to come upon you. This is going to be a God thing. Listen to you. A God promise must be God sustained. A God promise must be God sustained. God will not give you a life where he is unnecessary. (laughs) God will not give you a dream where he is unnecessary. He will not give you a business where he is unnecessary. If some of you are feeling overwhelmed in your business, maybe it's God saying, I'd love to get involved. Look how far you've taken it. Imagine what I could do. He's not going to give me a church where he's unnecessary. He's not going to give you a life. He's not going to give you children where he's unnecessary. Ah! That's funny. God, (laughs) he wants to give you something so much bigger than you that when you look at it, you're going to say, how? And it's going to take the spirit of God. Listen, for every how, my pastor taught me this, for every how, there is a Holy Ghost. (laughs) For every how, how are we going to do this, God? The Holy Spirit. How are we going to make it through this season? The Holy Spirit. How are we gonna, how are we gonna, how's our marriage gonna make it through this rough patch? The Holy Spirit. How's our kid gonna stay off drugs? The Holy Spirit. How are our kids gonna keep serving Jesus in this culture? The, the Holy Spirit. For every how there is a Holy Ghost. And God wants to release His Spirit upon you. We are, we are a Holy Ghost church. We believe in the ministry, not only of Jesus or the Father, we believe in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We believe that everything the Spirit of God did in the New Testament, He's still doing today. Let me just remind you, we do not believe that the Trinity is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Scriptures. We believe it is God, the Holy Spirit. We believe the Spirit of God wants to help you, wants to give you wisdom, wants to speak to you, wants to reveal to you, wants to lead you, wants to guide you, wants to talk to you about who to get in business with. See, the Bible is going to talk to you about who to sign a contract with. It's going to take a God idea because they might be smiling, they might look the part, and they might, oh, praise the Lord, praise God, hallelujah, I would love to do business with you, brother, hallelujah, glory to God. But the Spirit of God will tell you, man looks at the outward appearance, Samuel, come on. 
1 Samuel 16, but God looks at the heart. The Spirit of God will warn you. He'll reveal a Judas to you. He'll reveal a Jezebel to you. Ladies, when you feel something funky about a woman and your husband, go there. Nag. She ain't working in the office anymore. We're moving her. Baby, because we're dumb, ladies. We don't see it. All the men are like, Jesus. I'm thinking about someone right now, though. Yeah, because you ain't that dumb, are you? Yeah. Listen, ladies. I'm, now I'm just meddling in your life, aren't I? Just, ah, just making a mess. The Spirit of God will show you things. You start. I lost every man. The ladies are like, yeah. All the men are like, why you got to do me like that, dog? Why you got to do me like that? The Holy Spirit will, will reveal things to you. He'll talk to you about things. He'll, he'll tell you when to get out of a deal. He'll tell you when to buy a house, when to sell a house, when to, I'm telling you, he wants to lead in God. God, how am I going to do this? The Holy Spirit for every how there is a Holy Ghost. If you'll get quiet enough to listen, I'm telling you, the Spirit of God will talk to you. Come on. In the book of Zechariah chapter 4. Zechariah chapter 4, the Bible says that Zechariah is facing a great mountain and he doesn't know how it's going to be removed. And God says, Zechariah, this will not be moved by your might or your power, but by my spirit. And then he, he went on to say, now stare at that mountain and talk to it. He said, shout grace, grace. Listen, because grace and the Holy Spirit always go together. Huh legalism and the flesh always go together. But, but grace and the Spirit of God, favor and the Spirit of God always go together because the Holy Spirit will always anoint the ministry and the work of Jesus. And that work is a work of grace in your life. How's it going to happen, the Holy Spirit? Number four, where? Where? The where of Christmas. Nazareth. Knock out, not, not, not Bethlehem, Nazareth. But, but the prophet said Bethlehem, and Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Amen. But he found a girl in Nazareth. <laughs> Prophecy fulfilled Bethlehem. Prophecy began Nazareth. That's why when God speaks to you, it usually never looks like the fulfillment of the word. So he starts telling you all this good stuff that's going to happen in your life. And, and he starts telling you about Bethlehem. And you look around your life and you go, I'm in Nazareth. <laughs> Am I telling the truth? And by the way, uh, the, the prophet said 500 years earlier, Bethlehem. Now Nazareth, then Bethlehem. Because when God first speaks to you, that it feels like what it's going to feel like in the manifestation. Like if you've ever gotten a prophetic word, it feels like heaven on earth. And it's like it, there's emotion and there's, oh my God, God just spoke to me. And, and that could happen in a, you know, a service. That could happen privately just in your own time with God. God speaks to you. The presence of God comes upon you. That's the feeling you're going to feel in Bethlehem. God's giving you a sneak peek. But what he usually doesn't tell you, there's another little sneak, you know. An old preacher used to say his name is Jehovah Sneaky. Come on, somebody. Like, he kind of, 
Oh, man, I'm too old. I'm 35. I don't even care. That's, I am what I am. It, he, he'll, he'll usually take you there through Nazareth. Because he wants to know, can I trust you in Nazareth? I'm, I'm going to get you to Bethlehem. The, the prophecy will be fulfilled. The call on your life is going to happen. But can I trust you here? It should have been Bethlehem. It was going to be Bethlehem. It would eventually be Bethlehem, but it started in Nazareth. Nazareth was a poor little fishing village. It was non-religious. It was a melting pot of Jews and Gentiles. It was uneducated. I love that one. Just because of me. It was blue collar. I think you should get your education, by the way. It was the wrong... <laughs> Every parent's like, please don't tell my kids that you got a GED. Okay. You need to go to college. Amen. It was blue collar. It was wrong side of the tracks. It, it, was, it was unexpected. It was, it was so bad. Nazareth? You know a city's bad when it starts with a question mark. Come on, somebody. Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Jerusalem, yes. Bethlehem, yes. Nazareth? Can anything good come out? Vegas? Jabin, you talk such a big talk. It's Vegas, Bubba. This isn't Tulsa. This isn't Charlotte. This isn't Alabama. This is Vegas. Can anything good come out of Vegas? I would like to submit to you, yes. Uh, thank you for your enthusiasm. I believe God can do miracles in Nazareth. I believe God can do miracles in a city like Vegas. I believe that we can, that we can bring change. I'm talking about good change. I'm not just talking about moral revolution or, or, or judging what happens on the strip. By the way, those aren't even our people. Those are all the sinners from Tulsa that come sneak over here. Hello? Am I telling the truth? God wants to do Vegas. Can anything good come out of Vegas? Yes. Can we do something great for God in Vegas? Yes. Could God begin to change the city? Yes. Can anything good, listen, can anything good come out of your Nazareth? Can anything good come from that season of my life that was so challenging? Can anything good come from the divorce that was unexpected? Can anything good come from the layoff that I was not expecting? Can anything good come from the year I've had 2018? Can anything good come from 2018? Listen, I understand that what you've been through is painful. And what you lost is painful, but I believe that what you have left is powerful. And I believe that what you have left is enough to begin again. I may not have as much as I had at the beginning of 2018, but what I have left is enough if I'll give it to the master. Can anything good come out of this year? Yes. Can anything good come out of a challenging season? Yes. Can anything good come out of an unexpected moment? Yes. Nazareth. Oh, I got to calm down. Nazareth. <laughs> Nazareth means sprout. It means a little green shoot. It means a little branch, a little 
You ever seen a little weed come out of the concrete? Tough as nails? Come on, somebody. Trying to cover me up. I'm going to make it out. The weight didn't stop me. The darkness didn't stop me. The pressure didn't stop me. The weight of the concrete didn't stop me. Y'all didn't believe in me. But here I and and there that thing comes out of nowhere. There's, There's still life there. The Bible said in the book of Job that at the scent of rain, a tree could come back to life. Just the, just the smell of it. I, I, I'm telling you, I smell rain in the house. I smell hope in the house. I want to tell you, it's not over for you. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Yes. Because in Acts chapter 20, amazing story. Acts chapter 20, Paul's preaching, and he's preaching long because all preachers preach long because preachers think they're great. And so... He, he preaches so long, a little boy falls asleep, falls out of the window of the house where he's preaching, and he falls three stories and dies. Paul goes and lays hands on him, and then he says this, Acts chapter 20, don't worry, he's still alive. Looked dead, but he was still alive. Looked hopeless, but he was still alive. Looked like it was over, but, but there's a little green shoot still left. There's just a little branch left. There's just a little bit of life left. There's just a little sprout left. Might not look like much, but there's life in me. The world might have written me off, but there's still life in me. Religion might say I'm disqualified, but there's life in me. And when the, when, the, when the world would look and say nothing good could come from that, God says, I can make a masterpiece out of a broken moment. Can anything good come from your life? Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Because I would submit that most of us feel like a Nazareth. Most of us feel like a broken, forgotten place. Most of us feel like we're unqualified and disqualified because we know the the skeletons in our own closet and we know what we've been through and we know the fights we've had to fight. And yes, we love God, but we also know our struggle. And the enemy would say nothing good could come from your life. But God says, I can release miracles out of Nazareth. Can you say amen, everybody? Uh, Lastly, come on up. Lastly, why? Why? Well, Jesus. Jesus. Y'all, was anybody uh, raised in um, like kids' church when you were a kid? You know, any any question? Jesus. (laughs) 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 Who gave us the Ten Commandments? Jesus. (laughs) Who part of the Red Sea? Jesus. You know, I was like, I was always kind of safe, even when it was wrong. But the teacher cut and couldn't disagree. Like, well, yeah, I guess it kind of did come through Jesus. You know, <laughs> Jesus. Why do we do this, Jesus? Why did we, why did we start this church, Jesus? Why are you here, Jesus? Why are you making money, Jesus? Why are you running that business, Jesus? I hope, I hope you have a why behind what you do. I hope you have an eternal why behind the what. Because God can do a lot. Your what doesn't have to be that spiritual. Hello? You just got to have a why behind it. So whether you're running a business, whether you're a police officer, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, 
whether you're the CEO of a Fortune 500 company, it doesn't matter. The what doesn't have to, it's not about the what, it's about the why you put behind it. And every person in this room, starting with me, needs a why. Because preachers can lose their why. I haven't yet, and I'm fighting to keep it. Because I refuse to get caught up in the what of, oh, we need to hire this person, we need to do this, we need to make this deal, we need to buy this, we need to get a new light, we need to, and then the AC is still making noise, and I don't know why, and I got to bring an AC guy, and you get so caught up in the what if you're not careful, and I just refuse. But, but that's, but, but it's, don't get so, don't just, don't just keep your kids alive. Don't just keep them fed. Get a why behind the parenting. That makes sense. Like, don't just, don't just turn on the cartoons and, like, get a why, get a mission. Don't, don't lose your why with that teenager when they're going crazy. You gotta keep a why. There's something on their life. Jesus has something for them. The devil's after them. I'm gonna keep fighting for them. They're my why. I don't know. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I feel like there's a dad in here. You gotta take your kids on a date this week. Just take them on a date. Tell them you love them. Buy him something terrible to eat and just look across. Amen. Don't take him to Whole Foods. Come on, somebody. Take him to take him to Shake Shack and look across the table and say, I love you. I just need, I just want to make sure you know that. I'm crazy about you. I, I'm never, I'm never gonna leave, I'm never gonna give up on you. You're my you're my favorite person in the world. <laughs> I was a girl. I guess if it was a guy, I'd just be like, you know, keep eating. But you got you to keep a why behind it. Got to keep a why behind this thing. Don't just make the money. Got to keep a why behind it. You got to keep a kingdom thing behind it. You got to keep a why in your life. The why of Christmas. The why of this church. The why of your life. See, that's, that's why we're doing this. Let me just explain this to you because it's like, did you just want to have more services because you're bored? No. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to create space for us to feel the need that our city and our friends and our family desperately need Jesus. I don't know if anybody's coming Friday. Legit. I don't know. I'm going to walk out here. I hope it's packed. I hope it's not empty. Oh, that'd be so awkward. But I hope we don't miss the why. No, but for real, I'm just trying to be, I hope we don't miss the why of this moment. Like, oh, Jabin's putting on a Christmas thing. I'm not. We're not doing it because we have to do it. We're tr I'm trying to give you a space where you can bring people who are far from God. And yes, it's, a it's going to be a beautiful night for Christians. Don't get me wrong. You're going to love it too. But I'm, but I'm, but we're, I'm trying to get a why in this thing. Because I keep saying this, the greatest strength of our church will be our greatest weakness. It's just, it's good. It's just good. It's like a good, you know, it's like a good product. It's like the kids' ministry is good. It's very safe. Take a lot of care for a lot of details. Music is always beautiful and excellent. The preaching ain't half bad, but I've learned to not ask for a compliment because y'all leave me hanging. If you were here that one week, so I'm just going to don't even clap, don't even clap. You're hurting my feelings. My point is, 
I don't want, I never want this to just become, a, oh, that's a good church. It makes me feel good. I want to keep a why. Oh, man, I got to bring people. I got to, oh, there's the whole city that doesn't know Jesus. I got we got we to have a why. And not just for the church. We got to have a why for our life. So here's why Jesus came, Matthew 121. You will have a son and you are to name him Jesus. For he will save his people. We're his people before we knew we were his people. (laughs) You're my people, Jesus is saying. We're family. You don't know it yet. You've been fighting me. You're my people. This This is not just the prophecy that he would save the Jewish people. This is, a, this is a prophetic declaration that God has a people. See, God has a people in this city. We, we are not necessarily, we, we won't reach every person in this city. That's not the goal. The goal is not to have two million people in our church. It's not the, but we, but we are going to have to give an account for the people that God's called here. We're going to have to give an account to the people God's put in our lives. His people. From their sins. Save you from your sin. Forgive you. Save you from your sin. Set you free. Save you from your sin. Redeem you out of it. Save you from your sin. Give you a testimony to share. Save you from your sin. It's not just that, okay, I'm not going to hell anymore. So I have a story to tell. God can save you from your sin. God can save you from yourself. (laughs) Does anyone else live long enough to know sometimes that is your biggest enemy, your inner me? (laughs) He can save you from your sin, man. Give you a brand new. You can can look back at your life in a year and go, "I'm I'm not even the same person. He did it. He saved me.